you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup. All right, good morning, everybody. I am Kyle Brantz. This is Will Selva, Sean O'Hara, Tom Pelissero, and I'm thrilled to tell you this morning that each of these three, three gentlemen next to me have signed a $100 million contract with Los Angeles Rams. Congrats, guys. It's just what you do now. It's your last <laughs> broadcast on the NFL media group, so this is kind of a goodbye to all three of you. Let's celebrate with a big old Lee Block and get things started. Uh, Tom Pelissero. Lee Block! Aside, Cooper Cup signs this big extension that he Lee deserves. Uh, there's excitement. There's sort of confusion about how the Rams keep doing this. Tell us how this all went down. Break it down for us, Tom. Well, Kyle, this is a deal that was in the works even before the Rams gave Aaron Donald his big new contract. It ends up being a three-year, $80 million extension for Cooper Cup, who is now under contract to the Rams through 2026. Now, some of these recent receiver contracts are a little bit convoluted when you're evaluating one against the other because some of them have fluff numbers at the end. Bottom line, Cooper Cup, one of, if not the highest paid receiver now in the NFL, depending on which metric you choose, which makes a lot of sense. He's still only 28 years old and, of course, coming off of a monster season. The Rams have a habit. Their pattern is they want to do these deals early. They did cups with two years remaining on his old contract. It allows them to have cost certainty now, and there's different ways that you can account for it to continue to make it all work with the cap. Cooper Cup's numbers on the field that Tom referred to, just massive. Uh, explosive, turgid, throw any way you want. It is just a, a river of statistics. First in receptions, first in yards. Look at them. Touchdowns, both second most in NFL history in bold. So, guys, we look forward to the Rams. Let's make this more about the, just their receiver. Um, it's the first year with Stafford. You lose a, a really important piece like Robert Woods, and yet you still win the Super Bowl. So there's this thought of 
Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Sean, looking forward to this season, could the world champion Rams offense be even better next year? Yeah, Kyle, that's a great question. When you win the Super Bowl, it's always, all right, how do we get back? How do we run it back? How do we improve on things? And a lot of times, as defending Super Bowl champs, you end up losing players. You can't afford to keep them all. Of course, they lost Von Miller to Buffalo, but keeping Cooper Cup, signing him to this extension, huge. Obviously, same thing with Aaron Donald. I look at this offense, Kyle, and and I'm looking and say, okay, where are some rooms for improvement? Well, you want to piggyback off what you did the year before. So right out of the gate they've got a new offensive coordinator kevin o'connell he's in minnesota now so liam cohen steps in so there will be some adjustments there but i look at matt stafford and you know look he's he's the bell of a ball right now right everything has changed but I think when you look at Matthew Stafford and when he goes in and watches film of him last year, he's going to look at it and say, boy, you know what? You could trade jerseys and have a different look, but old habits die hard. Matthew Stafford can improve. This offense can be better if he takes care of the football. Take a look at last season, Matthew Stafford, where he stood on these deep interceptions. Look, it it never failed. It seemed like game after game, there was going to be an opportunity where Stafford was just going to go, heave ho, here it is. I'm throwing it up there and it's an interception. And... You know, sure, fine, it's like a punt, but there are times when, you know what, you can't get away with that. And I, and I think for Stafford, he could do a better job to take care of the football and not throwing all these picks. Geez, Shawnee's so negative this morning. <laughs> absolutely, yes, this offense absolutely can get better. They have one of the best wide receiver trios in the game with Cup, with Allen Robinson, and Van Jefferson. In terms of Cup, we know he always gets open. And in terms of Allen Robinson, we've talked about him a lot on this program. He's a top 10 wide receiver in an ideal situation. And guess what? He has one in L.A. in Matthew Stafford. Sean McVay calling him a stud, raving about his body control. Jefferson making that leap last season from his rookie season. They also have a great backfield with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Remember, the Rams rode Akers in the postseason until that Super Bowl when he rushed for only 21 yards. But in my opinion, if you have those four wideouts and you say, okay, I want to exploit the middle of the field, well, guess what? You have Tyler Higby there who is around and ready to go, okay? And then you look at, okay, I'm surveying the field. Who else do I have? Oh, Cam Akers. I can just dump it off to him. So in my opinion, while Sean's going negative, I think Matthew Stafford actually has a chance to throw for over 5,000 yards here. Sean made a really good point about the way that Stafford gave the ball away. And it wasn't as if this was, okay, early in the season, he hit some bumps. When they won the division title here in Minnesota in mid-December, I interviewed Stafford after the game. He had played badly, a couple bad picks. His first words out of his mouth were, boy, I tried to make that interesting, didn't I? That was the Matthew Stafford, and the entire debate was, is he going to play well enough down the stretch? Well, he certainly, from that point forward, played a lot better, played well in the playoffs. You know who else made a big difference? Odell Beckham Jr. Go back and look what happened after he joined, after his separation from the Cleveland Browns. Five touchdowns in the last seven regular season games. In the playoffs, Beckham had 21 catches for 288 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Might have been the Super Bowl MVP, except he tore his ACL after his touchdown in the first quarter. He's not going to be ready coming off that injury till probably around Thanksgiving. Could end up being back with the Rams. Sean McVay says they'd love to have him back. But if you don't have Beckham, the guy who you had on the backside of all those double teams, bracket coverage, Cooper Cup seeing, it was Beckham winning those one-on-ones. 
Can Allen Robinson now step into that role? How do defenses adjust? It's a little bit of an unknown there, just in terms of that spark that the Rams really seem to find down the stretch with OBJ. 100%. He was massive even in the first half of the Super Bowl. Odell looked like a superstar. I look at it this way. These teams win the Super Bowl sometimes, and they go on this incredible meteoric run. And there's a question of, where do we go from here? How can we play better than this? Even with the Chiefs, when they won, and it felt like they were scoring 50 points a game, there's this question of, is this sustainable? It's kind of nowhere to go but down. I don't see it that way with the Rams at all. I don't even think this is the fully realized Sean McVay Rams experience yet, as good as they were last year. Sean McVay has had Jared Goff offenses that are significantly better than the one last year they won the Super Bowl with. It's just the numbers right in front of you. Last year, ninth in total offense. They had a Jared Goff team that was second in total offense. So they haven't even realized this yet. The whole Cam Akers injury and he came back really early and just isn't, wasn't himself. We don't have the Todd Gurley thing going yet. There's so many things that indicate that they really won this Super Bowl ahead of schedule. Once McVay really sinks in and they get more weapons on the field, of course they could be better. Pick an offense that you're sure is going to be better than the Rams next year in the entire NFL. I can't find it. It makes it a very compelling one. And I would say the same thing for the team they beat in the Super Bowl, the Bengals, just because they were so young. But Tom, I have to take it back to you because a lot of the reactions right now, let's just talk about the fans, people that we know, especially people who are trying to beat the Rams this year. There's this WTF is going on. Is the salary cap not existing anymore? This guy gets a contract. This guy does. How are the Rams doing this? Can you put this just in lay terms a little bit for how they just keep giving contract after contract and getting under the cap somehow? The fundamentals of the cap, Kyle, are that every dollar you spend hits the cap eventually. What teams can do is use signing bonuses, which are prorated. They are counted over the lifetime of the contract, at least up to five years, to be able to push some of those dollars into future years' salary caps. So what the Rams' history has been is with their young stars, they are willing, unlike some other teams, to do deals early with two years remaining. The thing with doing that is you need to be right. Go back several years. The Rams did it with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was a monster centerpiece in their offense, but he had a bad knee. Things deteriorated. He wasn't the same. They were still paying him when he played in 2020 with the Atlanta Falcons. With Jared Goff, they were stuck with this huge guaranteed money at a time that Sean McVay and company knew they wanted to move on at quarterback. And they had to, in essence, incentivize the Lions to take that big contract because salary cap-wise, they would not have been able to acquire Matthew Stafford with Jared Goff still on the books. So is the salary cap real? Yes. But with the way that revenue is growing, which in turn means that the salary cap, COVID, barring COVID or another that type of situation, continues to grow, teams have become more willing to push those cap hits into the future, spend cash over cap now. Tom, we're talking about these mind-blowing contracts, and that brings us to Deshaun Watson, who of course has one of his own with the Cleveland Browns. And there's all sorts of things doing right now with the Browns. Drama, maybe melodrama, very serious things. Watson, Baker, the Browns. What is the state of the nation in Cleveland? Well, let's start with Baker Mayfield. The Browns decided to excuse him from next week's mandatory minicamp, avoiding any type of an uncomfortable situation with a player who doesn't want to be there, potentially showing up. Mayfield, of course, requested a trade back in March before the Browns finalized that five-year, $230 million deal as part of a trade with the Texans for Deshaun Watson. 
trade talks remain ongoing with Baker Mayfield. He will not be subject to fines based on being excused from that minicamp. Meanwhile, with Deshaun Watson, now faces 24 civil lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct. Coach Kevin Stefanski was asked about the latest lawsuits and reports at their OTA practice on Wednesday. Stefanski said, quote, I'm going to be respectful of the investigation, legal proceedings, and let that play out. The NFL investigation, still ongoing, eventually could lead to a suspension. But for now, Deshaun Watson continues to practice and remains eligible to participate in all activities with the Browns. All right, welcome back to Good Morning Football. I'm Will Selva. Glad you are with us. And Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson has been a no-show at voluntary workouts. But when the team opens mandatory workouts next Tuesday, head coach John Harbaugh will be happy that he's there. He says his QB1 will be present and accounted for. Have you had any recent communication with him? And what are your expectations for him to be here at mandatory minicamp next week? Yeah, I'm, I expect him to be here at mandatory minicamp. You know, he's, uh, I know he's working hard. You know, Lamar Jackson's a hard worker, so I'm not worried about how hard he's working. Fully expect him to come back in great shape. You know, that's what he talks about, and uh, I'm sure he's throwing. I'm sure he's doing a good job, and when he gets back here, we'll, we'll be rolling with Lamar. You know, right now we roll with the guys we got, and when he gets here, he'll merge right in with everybody, and we'll go to work with Lamar. Uh, meanwhile, in Washington, Carson Wentz on his third team in three seasons. Off-fame QB and broadcaster Troy Aikman recently saying he thinks this is probably Wentz's last chance to prove he can be a franchise quarterback. Wentz saying he hadn't heard those comments, but he's okay with Aikman feeling this way. This is excited to be playing, be playing this game, have this opportunity. I think we have the ability to, to do something special here, and then we have a really good skill set offensively to be dynamic, and it's, it takes one day at a time, obviously. But for me, I, I don't try to put too much pressure on myself. I always have high expectations for myself and for, for the offense, but I don't try and play those types of games. You know, there's, there's no, I don't have enough mental space to kind of process all that. It can wear on you. So for me, I just show up to try and be the best I can be, go home and be the best I can be as a, as a father and as a husband, come back and do it again. So he's relentlessly positive and upbeat. We know that about Carson Wentz. He was one and done in Indianapolis. Shocking. He was actually played pretty well. Just a few really bad optics, a cataclysmic loss at the end of the season, and some charge words from Jim Ursay on Wentz's way out the door. So now we go to chapter three, I think, or five or ten for Carson Wentz. He is now the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Guys, when we talk about this season for Washington and Wentz, what needs to happen for us to say, wow, that went really well. It was great that they brought him in and he played well. And I, I really like what the commanders did there, Tom. What, what has to happen in order for us to have that conversation a year from now? On a macro level, Kyle, it's playoffs. If they don't go to the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of people with the commanders who have to answer, not just for the Carson Wentz trade, but everything else that's led them in terms of their building process to this point. But on a more micro level, it's just Carson Wentz has to play his best in the biggest moments, which was not the case a year ago. Let me show you his passer rating in his career career by month of the year. He is Mr. October. Is that nickname taken? If not, Carson Mr. Wentz, October. Mr. October. Ooh. This happened again Ouch. last season. He actually played pretty well in November too. December, there were a couple of rocky moments. He had that game against the Patriots where he was like 5 of 12 passing. And then January, he played 
two terrible games. We've seen Carson Wentz play really good football. Everybody knows the MVP campaign in 2017, he blows out his knee, wasn't able to finish it off, Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, nothing's the same. But again, last season, he had really good moments. They were one of the teams to beat in October and November. When you get to December and January, that's the hump for Carson Wentz and this football team to get over. Yeah, Tom, when you say playoffs, I, I hear playoffs, but then I also hear Jim Morris Sr. saying, playoffs? But that's what it is. It, for Carson Wentz, forget about the stats. He had a good season last year. I think we throw the stats out the window. Last time we had a great statistical season, he was on track to win MVP, and then he tore his ACL, as we all remember. For, for Carson Wentz, the optics are huge here. And last year, they had a chance to make the playoffs, and they blew it. Not just the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Playoffs. They lost to the Raiders. So you go in, you got two games left. All you got to do is win one game, and you're in. And they flat out laid an egg. And it was dysfunctional football. And when you look at Carson, I, I don't know what we should expect from him and this offense. When you had the NFL's leading rusher last year, one of the best O-lines in the league, a, a better offense last year, and you couldn't make the playoffs. So for us to sit here and say, boy, he's got to make the playoffs, he's actually got less around him right now than he did last year, and he couldn't get it done. So this is definitely a mixed bag for Carson Wentz. He needs to make the postseason. He has to make a run in the playoffs. Why? Well, because the division is out there for the taking. Why? Because the NFC is considerably weaker than the AFC. Yes, you have your Bucks and Packers and Rams, but it is possible. There's an opportunity there. Also, he can stack wins early in the season. Why? I hate to be the schedule guy, but because of this schedule that is considered one of the easiest in the NFL because of winning percentage. By the way, he's got that matchup against his former team, the Eagles there in week 10 on Monday Night Football. You know, five years ago, we were talking about MVP candidate, but then the relationship with Doug Peterson and then Frank Reich went sideways. Reich reportedly had gone to Jim Irsay and apologized for acquiring Wentz. So we've seen what he's done in relationships. This is it for him. He's with Ron Rivera. We know he's a stern guy, but a reasonable guy, Kyle. But if he's not providing those results, this is it. Well, I think you're all over it. I think you nailed it. And I would say this. So many things are weird and or unsettling with Washington right now. Their team name is a little strange. Their uniforms are a little strange. The ownership situation is a little unsettling. If you've been paying attention to the headlines this week out of their defensive coaching staff, it's a little unsettling. And the Carson Wentz thing is a little unsettling. What does he need to do to have a successful season? How about just have his teammates really like him and be embraced by this organization? How about that? Because the Indianapolis thing, make no mistake, he was not let go from the Colts because they lost to the Jaguars in the last week. It's not that. It is the fit. It's he didn't get along with Frank Reich. Who doesn't get along with Frank Reich? He's pretty much universally beloved, and he has been since his college days. This was his guy. Carson Wentz is a different dude. We can trace the whole thing. You think he was let go of Philadelphia purely because of his play? No. There was things going on in those locker rooms and those buildings. He looked like the future of the sport at one point, and then five minutes later, his teammates were literally building a shrine for the backup quarterback. There's something, I'm not going to say it's off, I'm going to say it's unique about Carson Wentz in terms of the team atmosphere, the locker room. Two times now, you, it's not a coincidence. Successful season, the commander's players say, this is our guy and we want him back. The commander's coaches says, Carson, I don't care if we went 9-8 and eight or 17-0, and oh, you're our guy, we want you back. It's a lot more complicated than just football with him, and we're going to talk a lot about him over the next coming months, but we must move on, guys. What's the weakness of the Buccaneers this year? We'll get through after this. <laughs> 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's transition now to the Bucks because the Bucks are doing their mini camp thing. They're into it. And Mike Evans loves talking about Tom Brady. Loves it. For a guy who's had Johnny Manziel and Jameis Winston and asked a million questions, he always talked about Brady. And in this case, he talked about Brady's unretirement and motivation for the GOAT heading into yet another season. Take it away, Mike. It's added motivation. I'm already everybody's motivated as can be. You know, this is our job, this is our livelihood. We do it for our families and things like that. But a guy that doesn't have to do it, he just loves it so much, it definitely and he makes you want to win. And he demands that and it's added motivation. All right, so guys, look, he's motivated to win the Super Bowl like he always is. He's been to ten of them. But when we look forward, what do you think is the biggest question mark about this team? What is the thing that could get in the way of Brady getting into another Super Bowl? What jumps out to you, Will Selva? I would say the biggest question mark here is new head coach Todd Bowles. Now, he inherits a situation that was way better in New York. And he admitted that he learned from that situation. And he said he's not going to relinquish a lot with the Bucs. He'll be very involved in the defensive game planning still. Things will remain status quo on the offensive side of the ball with Bulls saying Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich will have a lot of power over the offense. The O-line underwent some changes there, and it looks like there might be some changes from a stylistic standpoint, but we'll 
be relatively the same. And honestly, any change of head coach, that means a change of energy because there were times last season where it just seemed like the team was a little bit of a funk, a little bit of a lull. They didn't have that juice. And these players really believe in Todd Bowles and what he's all about. Well-respected around the NFL, certainly deserving of another shot. He earned it. And this is the best situation for him. So Shawnee, we'll see if he's learned anything from his time with the Jets. But certainly, this is an ideal situation for him to thrive. When you mentioned the Bucks kind of being on a little bit of a roller coaster here and there, look, I feel like two years ago, the year they won the Super Bowl, there was a point in the season where everybody was asking, boy, what's wrong with Tom Brady? Like he hadn't completed a deep ball in four games and they were breaking down all these deep throws that he kept missing. And then they went on a terror and they won eight <clears> straight <throat> games and won the Super Bowl. So I think when you look at what is consistent in the NFL, look, things change week to week, year to year. Everything is changing. There's constant change, except when it comes to Tom Brady. Take a look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense has looked like since Tom Brady came down. That's why they're calling it Tampa Bay. Tom Brady led the league in passing yards last year, people. Yeah, he wasn't the MVP, but you could argue that he should have been. And I think this offense, no doubt, is, is we know what we're going to expect from it. Even with Goblin coming off injury, we're not sure what Gronk's going to decide to do. Tom Brady's going to make it work somehow, some way. We're definitely going to be watching this defense, though. I mean, Tom Brady threw that unbelievable touchdown to Mike Evans to tie the game against the Rams. And then Cooper Cup against the Blitz Zero beats his guy. That's going to be what this comes down to. Tom Brady's going to get you, give you a chance to win the game at, at the end of it, but your defense has got to hold up, and that's, of course, what everybody's looking at. I understand it's blasphemy to question Tom Brady in any way, so I am certainly not doing that. I will Uh-oh. say Here there is no precedent for a player performing at this level at age 45, which Tom Brady will be when the 2022 season begins. Now, there's no precedent in somebody performing at that level at age 44 or 43 or 42 either. Brady has defied everything in countless ways. But remember when Tom Brady retired? You might have heard about that. That was back in January, February or so. He announced, I'm walking away. I'm done. Obviously, he reverses field six weeks later before free agency. They get the band back together. They add guys like Russell Gage. They decide they're going to make another run with a new head coach in Todd Bowles. But the greatest player that we've ever seen in the game, the greatest competitor we've ever seen in the game, something somewhere in his head, whether it was about family or it was about coaches, the organization, whatever, something went off that Tom Brady said at least, I think I might be done playing football. I'm going to take $80 billion from Fox and eventually land there as an analyst. I'll be just fine. I'll do 75 different commercials and viral videos. I'm moving on with my life. Again, reverse his field, but something was going off that Tom Brady was willing to say, I think I might be stepping away here. He obviously is returning, but just at some point for everybody who's ever played the game, if you play long enough, there is going to be a time that your skills diminish. We haven't seen it with Tom Brady. He's never been a guy whose athletic traits are what has carried him. But do we get that same Tom Brady performing at that really high level? He's defied every other expectation in his career. But I just want to see how he plays from start to finish in 2022. Tom, I think it is a great compliment we pay Tom Brady to ask the question of what might go wrong for the Bucs this year. And we're kind of bending over backwards, begrudgedly saying their quarterback is kind of old. But that's just the respect we have for him. But let's just get into this further. You mentioned, Tom, there is no precedence for someone playing at that, that kind of level at this age. Why don't we just have a look at his brothers? And by his brothers, I mean his grandfathers. These are the gentlemen who have ever thrown a pass in the NFL at 44 years of older. 
We got Tom on the left. You got Vinny on the Panthers. You got a Steve DeBerg on the Falcons. Warren Moon on the Chiefs. And then you have Tom Brady's grandfather's dad on the right. That is George Blanda, the Hall of Famer, who played until he was 48. The, the headline here is that quarterbacks 44 and older are 1-4 in four as starters. And there's that. That's what Brady did last year. It was prolific. I thought he could have won the MVP. It was really close. But then look at the rest of them. Vinny, amazing athlete and physical specimen. Warren Moon, the same thing. Just really not producing, barely getting out there. And I want you to remind you guys, those bottom four names are spot starting. Somebody gets injured, they go in for a little bit. It's Brady is going to go 17 games plus the playoffs, not at 44, at 45. So I know he still has it. And I know that he eats nothing but superfoods and all that stuff. And I get it. And that's why we're here. I also know, and I've seen it, when it goes, it goes quickly. Even for the greatest there are. Peyton Manning was winning MVP with the Broncos. And then it just kind of went away. The Roethlisberger thing went away. The Breeze thing went away. And you could watch it. It's okay as a 45-year-old guy who was born in the mid-70s to say, is there any chance that in November we turn on a Bucks game and say, whoa, Tom looks a little different. Different. And you know, and they, they lose 31 to 13. I think it's fair because it will be one of those years. The biggest question mark for the Buccaneers is it going to be this year? Back with Chicago, the Bears were on the field at OTAs yesterday. Mandatory minicamps begin next week with more from the Windy City. Here's our very own Stacey Dales. The Bears are back on the field just one day after having their June 7th OTA stripped of them by the NFL due to contact-related practices in early May. Coach Matt Eberflus and players citing a young, eager team, guys with much to prove, high expectations overall as reasons for the overly physical practice-related instances. Tight end Cole Komet, one of the team's player reps, essentially told us it was an actual NFL PA rep in attendance at practice that reported the issues. Eberflus said no fines were levied against neither himself nor the Bears. While back on the field, another day of growth for Justin Fields. Eberflus told me that perhaps one of the most notable comparisons in terms of trajectory, given all the QBs he's been around, Dak Prescott. Remember, Flus was a defensive assistant in Dallas during Dak's rookie and sophomore campaigns. He told me, quote, we could see then the growth in Dak before our eyes, and he went on to tell me, we can see the jump we believe Justin Fields and our team will make with Justin Fields here in Chicago. He said timing and footwork have unquestionably questionably improved. Great news to go along with that big arm down the field. All right, Stacey, thank you very much. A lot of expectations on the shoulders of Justin Fields and another year two quarterback, Zach Wilson in New York. So Tom, in your opinion, who do you think is going to take the biggest leap into year two, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? Certainly an encouraging comparison if you think Justin Fields is going to turn into Dak Prescott, though I would point out that Dak as a rookie (laughs) threw 23 touchdown passes with four interceptions and the Cowboys went 13-3. Uh-huh. When you go back and you look at the rookie years of both Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, they were two of the least efficient passers in the NFL. That's not all on them. You had circumstances, what was happening with the coaching staff in Chicago. Zach Wilson had a lot of his weapons really the entire season. Guys nicked up, just not ready. So really to me, this is a toss-up in terms of who makes the bigger leap because do you buy into the continuity 
or the fresh start. With Zach Wilson, it's year two in Mike LaFleur's offense. You would certainly hope that he's going to take a big step forward in terms of his knowledge of that scheme. They have invested to continue to upgrade that position. Whereas with Justin Fields, he's starting over with Luke Getze. He comes from Green Bay, where they run a variation of the Shanahan-McVay offense. Is that the best fit for Justin Fields? You would certainly anticipate they're going to build everything around what Fields does well. Long way of saying, I really don't know. Both these guys have a long way to go, and they're in very different situations entering year two. As far as Justin Fields goes, there's this fear, I think, not a concern, but a real fear that he's not equipped with what's around him to succeed. The weapons and the line and everything is, how's this guy supposed to win? I don't know if he has enough. So there's this thing where the Bears are reloading, restarting, whatever you want to do with their new GM and the new head coach, and that may be at the detriment of their quarterback. I, I, I just only bring this up to say this. I would love to ask the Bears, just stop for a minute this week, right now, today, this morning, and think about maybe giving a call to the Seattle Seahawks and say, guys, Pete, John, what's going on with DK Metcalf? We might be interested. Could we maybe strike a deal? I understand, again, you get rid of all these expensive parts and you're going to reforge this thing in your own image, and I respect it. But again, are you doing it to the detriment of the face of the franchise, Justin Fields? Are we supplying him with enough? I'm really worried about that. I'm worried that they're not going to do it. You might say, well, it's going to take maybe a first-round pick. You can't keep trading your first-round picks. I don't know. The Rams do. How are they doing these days? If you break the field week one of the Chicago Bears offense with Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, and DK Metcalf, now that's an offense. Now we can thrive. If you're going to go conservative and barren and Spartan on offense, you find yourself in the Giants situation where you're four years in and you don't know what you have in your quarterback. Chicago, just call. Just text. See what Seattle's thinking. And if they're maybe open to talking, maybe make a move. I think it would work really well, and it'd be a bolt of lightning in that city. What do you think, Sean? DK Metcalf with Mooney and with Justin Fields, I don't know if they'd win a lot of football games. They would sell out if they were thunder from down under, for sure, with their shirts off. How fitting that we have a little car accident when we look at Justin Fields and what happened to him last year. He took an unbelievable amount of hits. So I'm still a little bit hesitant on Justin Fields. I think Zach Wilson is going to make a leap. What kind of leap? I think this could be a quantum leap. To answer some of your questions, uh, Tom, from before about continuity and consistency, for any of you that were fans of the show, you know Dr. Sam Beckett was stuck in time. I think for Zach Wilson, the offseason is all about going back in time and looking at your plays, looking at the things that didn't work, the things that you did well, and then the things that, hey, here, here's where I really need to improve on. And for him and Mike LaFleur, I just personalized this. I remember Eli Manning after his rookie year. He didn't win a game until his final game of his rookie season. We ended up going 11-5 and five in his second year. But the offseason, he sat down with Kevin Gilbride and said, look, here's what I see and here's what really works well with me. These are the plays. I, they just don't agree with me. And they got rid of that stuff. So I think this could be big for Zach Wilson. Of course, all the talent around him certainly doesn't hurt. But for him, he's definitely got to be more accurate with the ball. I'm looking forward to the chemistry. For me, it's got to be Zach Wilson. you got that continuity there. The offensive line is better. He also has bigger targets than C.J. Uzama and Garrett Wilson as well. He's established himself as a leader as well. Still to come, Cooper Cup just got paid. Devontae Adams has a new home in Vegas. Which receiver will have a better 2022 season? We discuss. Throwdown Thursday is coming up. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress 5 Years Running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Guys, we got Cooper Cup, who is paid. We got Devontae Adams. I think they're sort of the two consensus best receivers in the league right now. We can debate it in another segment. Very simple throwdown Thursday. Sean, we will start with you. Who has more receiving yards in the year of our Lord 2022? Is it Cup or is it Adams? Where do you come out, Sean? Yeah, we're going yards here, so I'm going to go Cooper Cup. When you pay a player, obviously you're paying them on your past production. You're paying p- playing them for future production. But when you're going to pay a guy that much money, like he, he better be getting the football on a certain percentage of play. So I think Cooper Cup, the fact that he could play outside, and, and look, he led the league in, in yards from the slot last year too, I think it makes it a lot harder to take him out of the offense and to double-team him and to eliminate him. So I think for, for Cooper Cup, Look, he's never going to demand the football, but I think when you look at Allen Robinson coming over there and Matthew Stafford just wanted to hit the ground running in week one, I think Cooper Cup, look, he might have more yards this year than he did last year, which would be phenomenal. I am not going to bet against Cooper Cup. He is a guy, as you mentioned, Sean, you could put him outside, inside. It doesn't matter. He finds a way to get open a top three wide receiver coming off one of the best seasons we've seen from a wide receiver in NFL history. He has another offseason with Matthew Stafford, and he has said essentially that Matthew Stafford is his spiritual animal there because they love to be inside looking at tape all the time. Remember, if you watch the postseason, the way Cup was, Every single time he bailed out the Rams. Whenever they needed a clutch play, they went right to him. So I think it's Cooper Cup who's going to come up on top with more yards. What say you, Tom? This is a tough one just because we don't know what this Raiders offense is going to look like. Not just how Devontae Adams fits into it, but how is it going to operate under Josh McDaniels? It's probably an oversimplification to say it's going to be a carbon copy of what they're running from New England. But having said that, 
When's the last time that the Patriots had a true fully dimensional wide receiver? You probably have to go back to 2007 and Randy Moss. Does Devontae Adams get that type of record-breaking production? Do they feed him over and over when they also have Hunter Renfro? And they have Darren Waller, and they're going to want to run the football. With Cooper Cup, you know exactly what you're getting. He's going to get doubled. He's going to get bracketed. They're going to run trap man concepts. They're going to do everything they can to stop him, and he's still going to catch like 200 balls. Not saying that Devontae Adams won't end up having the better season, but if you have to compare the two right now and make an educated guess, you'd lean on the guy who's already shown, doesn't matter what you do against him, he's still going to put up those numbers. I'm sure Devontae will be fine, but he's the only one of these two who has a legitimate quarterback downgrade going into this year, and I think some of his numbers are going to reflect how good Aaron Rodgers is. Guys, that's a clean sweep. You don't see it much on throwdown, but that is the level of respect. Sweep the leg! Let's go from Los Angeles to Philadelphia, from Randy's Donuts to Steve, the Prince of Steaks. The Philadelphia Eagles, a playoff team just a year ago with the rookie head coach, had their mandatory minicamp. They were in OTAs this week, and all eyes, of course, were on third-year quarterback Jalen Hurts. In my opinion, outside of Dan Campbell, the best quote as a head coach right now in the NFL is Nick Sirianni. And Coach Sirianni talking about his young QB and the confidence he has. Let's, Let's hear what he had to say. Jalen is, in my opinion, is more comfortable in the offense, right? And that's just part of the process the second year, right? He knows where the receivers are going to be versus different looks. He knows where to go with the football a little bit quicker. I've also noticed, you know, just the crispness of the drop, right? It's been, you know, the fundamentals, his fundamentals have improved. And he's really worked hard at that. And so he's working every day to get better. And I'm, I'm really pleased where he is right now. But we got to continue to to lay the groundwork. The crispness of the drop, that's the kind of stuff we like here. And we also like the talented players. So guys, you look at Philadelphia, and they got Devontae, A.J. Brown, and Dallas Goddard, and Jalen. But then you look at their little rival in the division, they've got Dak, and they've got Zeke, and C.D. Lamb, and Tony Pollard, who should be mentioned. So this one's simple. This is a classic throwdown right here. Who has better weapons? Who do you like the playmakers more in the division? The Eagles' weapons. Or the Cowboys, Sean O'Hare, what do you think? You said playmakers? I mean, Michael Irvin, the original playmaker, so I got to go with the Dallas Cowboys here. Yes, the Eagles won the offseason. Great draft. Getting A.J. Brown was huge. That was big. But you mentioned some of those guys. Look, offensively, I mean, it starts with Dak. He consistently makes phenomenal throws. So he's a playmaker. Michael Gallup, they signed him to a big deal. C.D. Lamb, this is going to be a big year for him, obviously. I think when you look at Zeke Elliott, look, you've been on this show talking a lot about how Tony Pollard is more explosive. Tony had bigger, better runs last year than Zeke did at times. But I'm going with the Cowboys for another reason. They have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball that I think trumps them over over the Eagles. You look at what Rookie of the Year Micah Parsons did last year and Trayvon Diggs. Those guys are making plays on defense. And who knows? They may one-up it and start scoring some points defensively, too. So give me the Cowboys. Uh, For me, I think the Cowboys have some question marks. So I'm going with the Eagles in this particular case. Jalen Hurts was aching, wanting a big-body target in that loss to the Bucs in the playoffs. They end up getting it with A.J. Brown from the Titans. So you have him and Devontae Smith. We saw what Devontae Smith did his rookie year. Both of those guys can beat you multiple ways. A.J. Brown was asked about whether Devontae Smith was the number one wide receiver, and he said, I expect Smitty to dominate. Dallas Goddard, quietly one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Yes, we hear that Kelsey gets a lot of the love, along with Kittle and Mark Andrews, but 
You look at what Goddard has done, 14.8 yards per game this past season for him. That is a career high. It made Zach Ertz expendable. So for me, the edge here goes to the Eagles. Well, first of all, if we can see Nick Sirianni just one more time before I begin to answer this question, you want to talk sure. about the weapons in the NFC East. I'm not sure there's any head coach that shows off the guns more than Nick Sirianni. Always seems to have the schmedium. Really? There's no buttons done. You get the sense that he's bigger in the room. I'm not saying he's the strongest guy. I'm just saying huh. the size of the shirt relative to the size of the body. Mm. He's mastered that just kind of the, the laid back look, I think, here. I would say this, though. Adrian Brown off in the middle. is massive for Philadelphia, the physical presence that he's going to bring. But I still look at the Dallas Cowboys and what they have. Even after the departure of Amari Cooper, it was really C.D. Lamb who emerged their top weapon a year ago. He played a lot more outside after predominantly being a slot player. As a rookie, you would anticipate that that's going to grow. Michael Gallup coming off the ACL, a really good player. And don't sleep on the third-round draft pick, Jalen Tolber out of South Alabama. He was one of the talks at the Senior Bowl. You stand next to him. You can see what a physical specimen this guy is. Would not be a surprise once they're able to work him into the offense if we see him make an impact in the second half of the season. I'd like to see Jalen Tolbert. I'd like to see the, the plunging neckline of Nick Sirianni. I had not noticed that before, Tom, but that's why you're a reporter. You notice the details. I, my answer to this question is very simple. I have uh, made a pledge on this show that I don't spend our time talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I think it is better allocated to go to other teams. The Cowboys have won three playoff games in the last 20-plus years, and that's the third fewest to something in the NFL. Just It's never anything of substance. So I'll say Eagles. Hey, Tom, in the remaining 10 <laughs> seconds, could you break down one more time in light of the L- Rams, why the salary cap really is real. Go ahead. <laughs> Very real. But it exists, but it is what you make it, Kyle. Let's go. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 